take two. Hello, my name is Jill, and it is time for Jill's Journals Out Loud here on this Monday in June in 2022. Uh, as I come to you in the middle-ish of New Mexico, high in the desert mountain, surrounded by dead trees, hoping they don't catch on fire as the heat rises, but not as hot as some of you. And we're going to take a deep breath. So I am late in coming to you with this uh, podcast this morning. I'm recording it on Sunday. Normally I try to get up early and do it before the world wakes up because as you know, if you've been here, I do not have the capacity to edit these. So they are one take background noises included. So everybody is up and around. There's traffic, there's dogs, there's lots of things going on. So we're just going to try and see if we can do this. Okay, let us begin. Uh, If this is your first time, welcome. Uh, If not, I'm so glad you're here. Actually, I'm so glad you're all here for whatever reason or however many times you've decided to show up. But here we're talking about a lot of different things. I have spent uh, my entire uh, career in trying to figure out what I want to communicate in my keyword search and I can never just land on anything that I can hold on to and I held on to survival for a really long time Uh, what I'm most interested in right now is how our nervous system operates uh, as we face great danger out in the world and what that means for those of us who are particularly what I call wired for danger but I'm also interested in who we are as humans, uh, remembering what we are as men and women in a world that's just been tearing all that apart. And so I always have a lot of different agendas, but as I was doing my daily boil down (laughs) this morning about trying to just land on a word or a phrase that I could hold on to forever, uh, I just sort of had this awareness that it doesn't, I know I had said a while ago, I don't want to talk about survival stuff anymore, but now that I have decided I don't want to make videos about it, I don't want to talk about it, that's all I think about because we are moving to a point in time that is quite critical. But I don't have a lot in common with people who are traditional survival prepper people. And so that's not my crowd. But I've noticed over time, there's always a few people within that group who do kind of gravitate to my message. And so... I don't think I can avoid it completely right now and as you know I've been talking about it a little bit because it is so front and center as things start to degenerate so quickly. And the other thing that's important and someone made a comment uh, about extinction, you know it's good to have these uh, places to go to you know as we face extinction and I I replied back and I got to thinking about it but the stuff that we talk about here is really the kind of thing that you take with you. When I talk about internal and process and uh, growing, learning, working, looking, reflecting, all these things, letting go, that's the kind of stuff that travels with your spirit. And in a world that is so loaded on every single word, you know, I don't like religion. I don't like institutional spirituality. I don't like a lot of rules that are set in stone and mandates by people who 
have to be right or they'll kill you if you don't agree with them. So I am not a left, right, you know, front or center, anybody person. I just do things that make a lot of common sense (laughs) from where I sit. But I do believe in something greater than ourselves. I do believe in an intelligence. I do believe it's organized. Uh, I do believe the universe rules runs by certain rules. And that's what the search for truth is. It's really understanding how the game is played not controlling it to get your way so that you have a perfect life, a perfect body, a perfect everything. I don't think that's why we came here to be perfect. I think we came here because we have a lot to let go of and a lot to learn about ourselves. And that is usually uncomfortable. And so I spend a lot of time in the discomfort of life because I think that's where the greatest progress is made. But I think if I had to, you know, I, I, I really like wilderness spirituality. I think that really encompasses at a historical perspective what I have sort of landed on for myself. And uh, I also like the word sacred. Uh, and so this is kind of a survival sacred wilderness, who knows what comes, kind of place where we talk about really practical things but we also talk about the abstract and uh, and that to me is the intersection of what my life is really about and so you know having uh, interfaced with some of you I know that that's where you're at and then I know some people are more on one side or the other uh, more survival oriented more uh, spiritually or creatively oriented and you don't have to live in any one place. That's sort of the beauty of it all. It's a very fluid process. The puppy's in here with me and she's running outside and collecting things to bring back in and chew. Some of those are okay. (laughs) Some of those are not. Uh, She is a hunter. She has been fast and furious for every moving bug, every moving object she can get her eye on. So maybe she'll grow up and help me hunt because that is one of the things that's been front and center for me as I really think about survival is food and top on that list is protein and that is actually a very spiritual question for a lot of people and I spent a long time being a vegetarian I think it pretty much destroyed my health and have slowly you know found my way back to what I think is just you know the way we're meant to eat because the wisdom out there in the world right now is so contradictory it can be quite confusing unless you look into the olden days before we had processed food and people just wandered around and they pretty much ate what they could find they ate more at certain times of year less or nothing at other times of the year Uh, they put on weight when there was extra they burned that fat when there wasn't Uh, They were okay if they had starvation periods, and uh, they only really got in trouble if they got really, really, really overweight. And, you know, to be obese is a luxury of domestication. You do not see a lot of animals in the wild who are overweight. Same way you don't see a lot of feral cats that are overweight, but we all have our domestic cats (laughs) who are quite soft and a little bit round in many ways. So I think the food thing kind of sorts itself out when you just look back to how we were designed to eat. But I think there's a very sacred process in that and how we choose to survive. And that's really to me the intersection. And the reason I've been thinking about it so much is that 
you cannot escape the news with the burning of the chickens, the slaughtering of the cows and the pigs, uh, the price of grain, uh, the lack of water. It is a non-stop assault to freak us out about a coming famine. And even if it wasn't on the horizon, it would be impossible to not think it wasn't on the horizon. Now, personally, I don't see how we're not going to face shortages. Uh, like you, I'm watching the gas go up every day and uh, the cost of shipping, the cost of uh, traveling with the food because we don't eat locally, the cost of producing food, everything is escalating. Uh, I don't think most people know that the average age of the farmer, it used to be 58, but the whole process of farming and ranching is going by the wayside. Those, those guys are all old. Young people don't want to get into it because there's no money. Even though there is a small trend you know, in the permaculture organic world, and those tend to be a lot of uh, younger uh, men and women trying to produce food in the way that we used to produce food where it was uh, you know multi-layered small property that could feed a lot of people but it's done at a very local level and I personally hope that's where we go because there's just nothing better than real food uh, we had a watermelon here and it was sitting on the ground and I said well because I'm out of all the produce right now and I'm waiting to go uh, Tuesday and the lady whose uh, watermelon it was, I said, oh, are you going to eat that? Because it was just sitting on the ground. She's like, no, it doesn't taste right. And I was explaining to her how they have uh, genetically modified everything. And, you know, they're introducing all this nanotechnology into our food. But I thought, I really wanted the watermelon. <laughs> so she's like, fine, take it. I'm not going to eat it. Uh, and it does taste a little bit off. And it probably is some cloned, creepy version of something. But at this point, you know, between the things that are getting sprayed overhead, uh, it's just, an, uh, you know, the things that are in our water, the thing that's, things that are already in our food. We are so toxic. Uh, I, at this point, I don't think there's a whole lot you can do unless you are a serious, serious uh, food producer. But the one that I have been struggling with the most, and that's sort of the essence of the conversation of the survival and sacred for me this morning, and I've been thinking a lot about, is how am I going to get protein? Because I do not function without protein. And, uh, you know, we're in a period of time where it's getting more expensive, but it's accessible. But from all of the predictor people, uh, I don't know if it's true or not, it sort of seems like it will be, they are killing everything off. And if you know anything about raising livestock, it takes years and years to rebuild your stock. Uh, it takes a long time because most big animals, you know, cows and sheep and goat and things like that, they only produce one baby at a time. And the boy babies are what we eat and the girl babies they keep to produce more cows. But it takes a long time to rebuild those herds. And so even if everything switched over on a dime today and gas was plentiful and everything was quote-unquote normal, we are still so far behind uh, in terms of returning to normality. There's some real issues at hand. And I struggle because I can't do vegetarian anymore. I can't do beans or lentils or rice and uh, things like that and not get a headache, not have it affect my 
uh, health issues. You know, I'm finally feeling better because I have access to a freezer and I can buy protein. I can buy more protein than I can eat in two days the way I was able to only do it for the last couple years because I did not have refrigeration. And so we don't think about that. Well, what do you do when you don't have refrigeration? And yeah, our ancestors had most of that stuff figured out, but we don't. And so I've been thinking a lot about what I need to do to feed us. And I'm thinking I need to just make myself get started while there is food and to me that sort of bleeds over into the sacred because I don't like to kill things you know I don't want to be cruel Uh, so I have an intellectual and emotional conversation and then I have a physical I'm hungry conversation but what's even more difficult is watching something or someone you care about be hungry and you know if you've done any study of history this is not new this is not the first time and it's an ongoing cyclical issue Uh, and right now we're looking at global famine and you know with that comes cannibalism you know that's a huge spiritual sacred issue not to mention a physical issue so it's super complex what's coming and so often you know, people who are into survival just flip offhand, do this. And, and 90% of do this will only work while there's an existing structure to support it. I, you know, I think people just don't understand how hard it is, how much work it is, and how unskilled we are uh, you know, to do that. And, you know, in this area, there's just a few big animals. There's not much little. There's everybody always thinks there's lots of rabbits. After coming on the cow farm where there were literally hundreds of rabbits, uh, there aren't a lot of rabbits. There's two little domestic rabbits who I saw a baby rabbit this morning, so hopefully somebody's breeding. But um, there's not a lot of rabbits, and the squirrels are the size of a gerbil. The birds flying around here are, you know, small and thin they're not you know turkeys and you know there's bears and there's deer and there's elk but there's way more people that are planning on shooting and killing those guys than there are that are available and right now it's illegal right you only can shoot game at the right time and if you get the right pass and there are some cows and there are some horses I've seen and you know what happens in other countries is then people start eating the dogs and the cats and it becomes a free-for-all and then everything walking around that we would think of as protein starts to disappear now if you're super hardcore survival uh, you'll know you know snakes and rats and ants and worms and uh, you know eggs from other things and Uh, you'll get more creative in terms of what you have access to eating around. But that's a lot of hard work for just a tiny little bit of food. And the more stomachs that you have to feed, the more difficult it's going to be. And I know for my big dog, his 
requirement at his size, about 60 to 570 pounds, is a pound of beef a day. That's a lot of meat out in the wild. Now, if you get a great big animal, you don't usually do that in summer because it will just go bad. So it's very complex. You know, if you're lucky and you live in the, literally in the middle of nowhere and you have a stream full of fish and you have all kinds of wildlife, you're probably going to be okay. But if you've ever like watched any of the real survival shows, you can see how much weight they lose, how fast they lose it, and how much work it is to just get one thing to eat. And, you know, in some of them, they're, I've seen them where they're next to uh, water in Alaska, and they have salmon. Uh, and the ones who have salmon have something to eat, but pretty much all they have to eat is salmon. <sighs> we are used to very complex, sophisticated, very uh, taste-oriented diets. Uh, I'm going to go back to my um, book about Texas and, and how the first settlers, all they had to eat were pecans and honey because the guy was able to find the pecan trees and track down the honey and then if they found something to kill and that was the basis of their food because she had brought corn with her and a flood had killed the corn and so for the first couple years that's what they ate uh, wild game pecans and honey and that's a really tough question or thought process to think about something so simple for such a long period of time sustaining you versus all the complex nutritional advice that we give out and so you know I started this talking about my keywords and what I care about and you know trying to settle and it's really difficult to settle on anything when you're when food is front and center you know all these other things that we experience in our lives they're just such luxury. I mean, this process of scaling back, scaling down, letting go, simplifying, because my, my thinking has always been just make it more off-grid because it's easy to buy the electric thing, but I won't have it if things go bad. So buy the manual thing. It's less likely to break, you know. I can live without light, right? You can live, but you need a way to start a fire. So, you know, I've purposely had these conversations in my head to how can I simplify, how can I simplify? But the correlating principle is it's a lot of work to do all of these things from scratch. And it's very time consuming and it's very physically demanding. Uh, and it's easy when the weather's nice and the abundance is everywhere, but it's I can't even think about adding the food question. I've been thinking a lot about the food question because, uh, you know, we've had our power go out a couple times, and if the freezers go, that's it, right? A lot of people have focused on canning, but canning doesn't travel, especially when you have it in glass jars. Uh, it doesn't travel with you. It's not light. Uh, you know, dehydrating is probably the best way to go but if you don't eat it it molds and goes bad and so it's just complex and I'm not saying that it can't be done but I've been thinking a lot about what do I need to do to get started in a practical way 
while I still have something to eat to sustain me because when you get hungry you don't make good decisions your reflexes get slower you get foggy you don't have the stamina uh, you know there's theories that humans used to before we had weapons they used to run the prey animals down like we're actually physically built to to run long distances slowly and they would just run until the deer or the zebra or whatever crashed and then they would get it that's how they captured it and so we're physically designed to survive <laughs> she just uh, went into her pen that's quite a bit of ways and found the plastic bottle that's one of their toys so we should have some fabulous plastic crunching in the background <laughs> sorry <laughs> ah so uh she's a good problem solver for herself uh, and I think we're sort of at that point and so I've been thinking a lot about it and it's a you know it's a it's a survival issue and it's a sacred issue hang on I'm gonna go over there and get rid of it hey then that's loud you can't do that in here go get out go out there She's also a really good retriever, so she's probably going to bring it back. <laughs> I've never had a dog that would retrieve. So one more time. Where's the ball? All right, let's go this way. This way. This way. Nope. All right, I can't get her unfocused. Well, there she goes. Okay, so yeah, it's been a bit of a challenge having a little puppy uh, and refocusing. So I guess we'll kind of wind this down because I can see from the microphone, you guys can hear that in the background. It's a little distracting. Also the cicadas, I don't know if you can hear that in the background too. But that's sort of my big question. I forgot to do my uh, 10 minute short version. But that's the question I've been journaling about and thinking about is, what am I gonna do about protein? and that that's been kind of front and center and how can I start practicing that now so I'm not going to eat the dog first we're going to take a deep breath <laughs> and I my friends will see you next time